Love and Watches is a podcast for male and female watch lovers alike. Perpetual Girl and Ranch Racer are a watch-crazy wife and husband team, bringing you the latest in news, gossip, controversy, and anything else that matters in the world of watches. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, watch fam. This is Ranch Racer. And Perpetual Girl. And you guys are listening to episode 14 of the Love and Watches podcast. Welcome aboard. Um, we're a little bit, actually, we're a lot late this time, but we have a really good reason for it. We are recording from the brand new Love and Watches studios here in Auburn, California. Um, actually, it's just a different room in the house. It's actually my craft room. Yeah, but it's working out better than my <laughs> office because we actually can sit here and face each other. It's a lot easier to carry on a conversation and still have the mics where we need them and stuff. It was a bit of a battle to agree to, you know, for me to let you fill my craft space I, I with won. equipment. I, so. I won. Obviously, I won. I won that battle. But I'm, I already know I'm going to lose the war. So, <laughs> you know, if I can win a battle here and you there. You said it, not that's me. Like, that's a positive for us guys, right? <laughs> if we can win one or two battles, man, that is a, that's a big win. So yeah, so we moved uh, we moved the recording studio down the hall, and it's just a better setup, I think. And the overall. craft room is a little tidier now, so yeah, there's it's more roomy in here, and it's just uh, I think it's going to work out well. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. So so yeah, that's we're a little bit late, but um, there was it was some work to get rooms cleaned and equipment moved and all that fun stuff. And anyway, we're here, so we got episode 14 for you guys. Uh, what are we talking about today? Looks like a couple of unusual topics. Uh, yeah, I guess we're we're going to talk a little bit about uh, related industries, and then buying and selling watches, which is actually really timely. What you want to give me a cheers? We're, yeah, we're, give, we're actually having like a little glass of wine. There we go. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about buying and selling, which is is pretty timely because uh, we're starting to sell some watches, which. It's not normally what we do, but we'll, we'll kind of explain why and talk about how to buy and sell and, you know, at least, at least our well, reasons, reasons, reasons for and where you selling. can sell and, and good places to buy watches. So a little bit of everything, um, boy, it is sure still smoky outside, man. These fires are it's just been uh, pretty bad and we feel really horrible for everybody up there. Yeah. It's not been good. The Northern they're about 60 miles from us where Things are just devastated. So yeah, and actually, you know, to maybe help clear things up for, I know a lot of people. I've seen some comments on Instagram and stuff. Um, Paradise, California, is a city. They're not saying that that California is that Paradise is burning down as a you know, tongue and, yeah, yeah as a colloquial, colloquialism. Um, Paradise is actually a city up north by Redding and in a little Chico. south of Redding and Chico, um, where. Where uh, Dialed Watch Co. Company is actually out of Chico. They do some pretty cool uh, automotive And Watchman themed. Chico has a store there. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the smoke, I mean, it's just blanketing all of California and it's not been fun. It's actually, I noticed today the temperatures, it's freaking cold out there because yeah, the sun has been, been blocked out. I well, mean, it's, it's been, been so in the smoky. low 40s. It, it's been colder here, but. But there's no, the sun is, has been completely blocked out for yeah. like the last Sounds three like days with the, with the smoke. I was in the office yesterday and 
the smoke was coming into the into the building. But people were leaving. They're like, we're getting out of here. This is crazy. Yeah. So, and we get smoke every summer up here. What no matter what fire is going on, uh, it's become a regular thing the last few years. But this has been the worst. Yeah, for sure. And very consistently bad for many, many, many days. So it's all of our animals are suffering, and we've got everyone. All the small animals are locked mm. up in their little barn. With an air filter, which is tiny little lungs, which is more than a lot of these poor, I feel bad for the big animals that we've got the cows and across the way and well, and our donkeys and horses, I mean, they're elderly. Most of our large animals are elderly. They can't escape it. We can't put them inside somewhere and, you know, they'd like to come inside. The donkeys would. I'm sure they would. They'd like to sit on your lap, (laughs) but, uh, anyway, so yeah, it's been, it's been tough and we just want to send our our best wishes yeah. and our, our prayers to um, everyone that's having to live through that fire. And it's the largest it's fire terrible. in recorded history in the state. Yeah. It's and I think bad. at least 50 people have died and it's just, I just get upset reading the news. It's terrible. And we've, I mean, this one, it looks like this one may have been started by an electrical problem and on the power grid. And we've had several of those in the last few years. So we've got an well, old we're power super, grid. We're very over for, we're uh, overgrown here. Now. Forests are really, really overgrown. And unfortunately what happens is you don't, you don't do any kind of forestry, even responsible conservation forestry. And then, um, you know, these, all these dry animals areas and all these yeah. habitats you were trying to protect, protect they're, they're decimated. They're gone. I mean, it's just really sad to it's see. Hard. So. There's a lot of different sides to all of it, of course, but yeah, um, it all boils down to when it's dry and you don't have rain and you're, you've got a lot of dry brush, extra brush, it's going to, you know, you're more at risk. Yeah. And the thing is, so a lot of the press talk about how, you know, drought stricken California is, is burning. And the fact of the matter is we're, we're out of a drought. I mean, we had two really heavy years, heavy winters, which Lots means everything, we Lots get a of lot growth. of growth. And then over the summer, it, you know, gets hot and dries out and we don't winter is late this year. Mm-hmm. We've, we had one rain in, in, uh, like the first couple days in October and nothing since. So combine that with late, you know, late season winds, it's just a really bad recipe. So unfortunately it's a reality up here. It is. So I don't want to be a downer, but we just wanted to send our best wishes to, to everyone up there and, you know, hope they get this thing contained and we're all tired of the smoke too. But that's that's minor compared to what they're having right. to deal with. So, anywho, should we jump into the wrist checks? Sure. All right, go for it. You want me to go first? Yeah. Um, I have on today a watch that uh, Ranch Racer gave me as a surprise. It's a Timex um, Marlin. It is Snoopy yeah. mm-hmm. flying they just, a this Snoopy. This is the one they announced a couple weeks ago. And I actually have I put it on the new Erica's original band. Uh, special edition that that she released it's a blue like a denim blue because the um the black the black band that came with the watch is actually really pretty but it's so huge that it's too long for the tail actually pretty much touches the watch yeah Yeah. (laughs) so this this one fits perfectly it's a i have to adjust it a little bit but i really like her bands A, a traditional nato they don't work on me if you have small wrists a nato is really tough really, really tough. And this is different because it's elastic. Right. So it forms to you and it's thinner. So I find that, um, this is kind of the only NATO ish style that works on me personally. As they're, far they're as comfort. Really, they're really neat. They're so unique. 
you know, and they high are. quality, really, really high quality. I really comfortable. So that's what it is. And this, this Marlin is automatic Miyota movement and yep. Yep. it's got some loom on the hands. I haven't tested it at night yet because I just got it today. 40 millimeter. But it's 40 and has a silver dial. It's really nice. I mean, it's, it's really pretty. It's got kind of the sunburst. I think it's going to be something that I can wear with a lot of different things, especially casual. And it doesn't have crazy long lugs, so it it's, it fits smaller wrists as well. Oh, so yeah. I think, uh, and that'll be one that I, I'll, I'll wear that for sure. It's really neat looking. Uh, nice silver, pretty silver. Is it a sun, kind of a sunray or sunburst dial? A little, yeah, a little bit. And I, I had originally thought it was a white dial, and it's it's silver. It's it's really nice. What are the, talk about the indexes and the dial and stuff. They're, it looks like they're applied indices, and they're just stick indices, which makes it really simple. And it kind of reminds me of the old-fashioned Timex. Yeah, well, that's the that's the whole point of the yeah. Marlin, right? It's a re, it's basically a, a re-release yeah. of of the original Timex Marlin. Now, obviously, this one's bigger. Last year's release was a thirty six, either thirty six or thirty four, um, and that was the manual mechanical wind. It was uh, it was a big hit. I think a lot of folks kind of panned it for having a Chinese movement, but you know, I, we've got some watches with Chinese movements, and they're fine. The and, seagulls. Yeah, I think it has seagull. So far, so good. But uh, but this is this is a Miyota, so I think they probably, you know, listened to the consumers and decided that they were going to go with a mm-hmm. um, a Japanese Miyota movement. So very cool. It's got an exhibition back, which is awesome, and it's got the mm-hmm. uh, printing on it. it says, uh, you know, the um, Marlin series. And- right. I think that would be a good. If you were going to buy a present for someone who's not into watches, but likes Snoopy peanuts, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that'd be a great, a great choice for sure, because they get the, the Sapphire case back, which we've talked about. That's, you know, for a, for someone just getting into watches, it's so cool to be able to look at the movement. It doesn't, you know, at the end of the day, who cares if it's not super highly decorated and, mm-hmm. you know, all the even fancy if you're stuff. not, even if you're into watches, whether you are or aren't, I love the, the, um, visual case pack oh yeah totally but i just think you know for the price and the you know you're getting a little fun with it right you're getting mm-hmm. snoopy which is always cool and i wish they would have done the arms for the hands because mm-hmm. they've got the other they've got another series that has peanuts with the like their arms or the actual hour and minute the, hands um, but they're the quartz. baseball player yeah like right. the baseball player and stuff but they're quartz I would love to, would have loved to have seen this one, but it's classy too. Yeah. So it's just this a one's look. more. You could almost wear it as a dress watch with the original black. Yeah, it's it's a band, little more classy, and it's for subdued sure. because Snoopy's at the bottom at six o'clock, and he's really um, he's pretty small, so it's it's not a it's not in your face cartoony. It looks great with that strap too. That kind of reminds me uh, when I had the the blue Haviston canvas on my Seiko Presage the cocktail time mm-hmm. same kind of look the silver silvery dial with it's a, kind of a, a blue denim band. look more casual yeah I think it looks good I like it cool so you're you're digging it I do I like it super cute yeah it's fun and it's a large enough size that you could share well that's what I'm saying I'll, I'll wear it for sure and these Erica's originals that we ordered because we've bought some of her straps before oh yeah tell everybody where about we that. bought um she, so she when she when you order a strap from Erica's Originals, she actually sizes them to your wrist size. So you need to put your wrist size in when you're ordering. And I think I order my wrist size is seven and a half, 
you're about a six and a half. So whatever we had ordered before, we ordered right in the middle. So these should fit, but they, they actually do fit both of us because I've got they do. that one on the I think wrist my right other now. one is a little bit more comfortable, but this is new and it needs to be... Um, it needs to be broken in a little bit. a little bit. But yeah, I, I love the straps. They're really cool. Nice. All right. So what are you, are you wearing today? So I am wearing... As if I haven't seen it all day. <laughs> well, so I wasn't wearing this all day, but... This is one I think I've I've probably had it on for shows before. Um, this is the watch that I bought when we were in Vegas last year for Couture Time. When you bought this your, year, yeah, or this, this year. year earlier this year, when you bought your um, Cartier Santos, and I bought this, and this is the Oris Carl Bashir Bronze uh, Chronograph. The thing with this watch is. Um, so number one, I, I, I've said before, I'm not really a bronze guy only because of the fact that I don't really like patina. I like my watches to like look shiny and new. So it was, it was kind of, I was surprised that I ended up buying this mm-hmm. thing. I just saw it's it. It's not and that it was you don't so appreciate cool. patina. Hey, you know, just, patina is, it's just kind it's of just not, not my thing, thing, but I know a lot of people love it. So, and that's why they buy bronze. I just love the look of fresh, shiny bronze. It's beautiful. It's pretty. So I bought this thing and in the first month it stopped functioning. The reset on the chronograph broke. Um, so it, it sat in the watch box. I didn't really wear it. And then when I went back to Vegas for my company um, sales conference, that was like, I think it was August. Wasn't it August? Mm-hmm. So I went back in August because I had bought it at, at a store in Vegas. So I took it back to that store and they sent it back east to Oris. They were awesome. Yeah, the the store is is great, and we'll, I'm going to talk about them actually today in our oh, it's in time our to buying put the chickens away. Oh, it's the chicken alarm. Sorry, nice. About that. That's the put the chickens away <laughs> alarm. <laughs> okay, mute your phone. Yeah. Right. Well, that was the alarm. It goes off. And, it goes off. Anyway. You know, the chickens. You have to make sure they're all good. And yeah. They, and they've been put away. <laughs> the chickens put themselves to bed. So anyway, anyway, back we to check on back them. to the topic. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I took it back to the store. They sent to Oris. It was gone for a while, probably two and a half months. Um, got it back a couple weeks ago and am kind of in the, I'm reestablishing my relationship with the watch. So it's kind of like a second honeymoon because I never really got to have the first honeymoon with the watch. Because you kind of broke a up proper with it. honeymoon because... It well, broke up with you. It broke up with me, right? The watch broke up with me, left for a while, but now it's back. And I, I, I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, I did, when I got it back, it, you know, they didn't clean it, right? I, they would, I don't think. Uh, they wanted to respect the I don't the think patina. any manufacturer would dare clean a bronze watch Correct. that was in for. Uh, it's for, like an antique. You don't ever clean or refinish wood on an antique piece well and you don't polish you, a rolex unless the person asks you to polish it it's kind of the same thing right so the patina on a bronze watch a lot of wearers work really hard to get that perfect patina some guys right. even like actually do stuff to it to patina it faster like acid mixes and coca-cola well, and i all suppose kinds it would be like a horse saddle where if someone has a specific mark on it from a spur or something that was like a really significant event that you want to yeah, preserve wanna, forever. Yeah. Like don't ever, don't ever clean up anybody's stuff. Yeah. So anyway, this thing came back. It still had all the patina on it. And the first thing I did was pull out the Tarnex and clean it up. <laughs> <laughs> I 
which oh and you cleaned some of my jewelry too which was really i nice. did and honestly i'd never you know used the stuff i'd never cleaned a bronze watch yeah it was about 30 seconds it's really mm. fast it's, it's just a, pretty, a q-tip it's and it pretty comes right off silver cleaner yeah and it, it it came right off it looked looks beautiful um and we we live in a pretty dry climate so it's not i'm not gonna have to clean it every week i mean it's probably every couple of months i'll take some turn next to no, it you were very delicate with it yeah, and it just doesn't it doesn't tarnish fast where we are because we don't have a lot of moisture in the air and you need the moisture. So, so anyway, I'm I've been wearing it quite a bit, a lot of posting on Instagram. Um, really glad that you guys like it. I know a lot of you have have commented, and I appreciate that. Uh, I am also wearing it on an Erica's Originals, so it comes with a pretty thick brown leather strap. It's a beautiful leather strap with it's a very nice. Some, um, it's very nice, like an open raw edge. Yep. Um, kind of vintagey, I guess, looking. But it just, for me, it just didn't really go with the the character of the watch. See, I, I, I have to kind of disagree with you because I really, really like that band. Do you? I do. It's nice. I, just for me, for whatever reason, it just didn't quite feel right. And so I had that blue Haviston uh, canvas, and it's a perfect match for this blue dial. I, I absolutely love it. So I've been wearing it on the blue Haviston for, since I got it back. And then literally today, about, I don't know, an hour ago when I went up and got the mail, we had received these Erica's originals and I bought um, all three of her limited editions. So she has an orange, a brown and a a light blue. So I bought all three of them. They're all 20 millimeter only. Um, And uh, I threw the brown on here and I, I really like it. I know you have some issues with the casual center and the it's, center stripe because these are pretty casual i love sporty. the band and i love the watch but i'm not sure it's a match but that's just me i would agree that i think it would be better without the white stripe but that's just not that's not how these are you know these are On all the other have the hand, white stripe. my my snoopy timex looks amazing with the stripe because the silver dial yeah because it kind of goes with the silver dial yeah, whereas the, the center white stripe, stripe actually looks silver i mean there's some white on the dial all the indices are white uh, the non-loomed indices are white. Uh, the subdials, you know, all the markings on the subdials are white. The Oris text is white. So there's definitely some white on here. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a total mismatch, but yeah, it would probably look better without the stripe, but I still like it. And I, I just love these straps. They're so darn comfortable. Mm-hmm. Man, they're comfortable. And you know, there's something about that watch. The bronze, I really like the bronze. I'm not a rose gold person. And bronze... And it's very similar to rose gold. But it's not the same. It's not. It's, it's not. not the same to me. Like the bronze really looks like a solid. Like to me, rose gold looks like um, there's color added to it. Mm. Bronze to me looks like an actual solid precious metal. There's more. Well, there's more of some element in the rose gold, right? That turns it that color. I don't know. Copper. Whether, is it copper? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's more of a copper. So I'd almost like to see someone come up with a copper watch, except it'd tarnish like a penny. Yeah, I don't unless you kept Tarnex on it all the time. So yeah, does it tarnish faster than bronze? I think so. Statue of Liberty is bronze, right? And that ended up being green, totally tarnished. And a lot of guys like that. I mean, I see some of these bronze watches that get posted on Instagram, and they literally have like the green, like chunks of corrosion on them. Yeah, like it looks like they just lifted them up from a shipwreck. Mm-hmm. Um, Which with a dive watch, hey, it could be. It was kind of like a romantic. I said, I mean, yeah. It's a romantic notion. I yep. think. Yep. I, it's just not my thing. But it's easy. I respect the cool it, thing is it's yeah. easy to clean. I totally respect it. If if uh, although corrosion could it pit it? Could no, it I don't think it, it's just surface. That's why Tarnex works so good. 
and you can even use like um like some guys just use uh toothpaste to clean it and that toothpaste takes it off. is abrasive though yeah, I don't it, know it that is you really whereas the tarnix that. is not abrasive so yeah I mean, we it, already had someone mention that the magic the white magic eraser sponges are slightly abrasive and i yes, know toothpaste is yeah. way more abrasive well, I think that I think they might use more of like the non-abrasive toothpaste, but in any case, it is still abrasive. And the Tarnex is cheap, and it's gonna. I got. I think I got two things of it. And yeah, I probably could have got one, and it you gotta be very to be sparingly with it, and make sure you rinse it off. Because, like with silver, you don't want to use the silver cleaner, which is basically what Tarnex is. You, right. You want to use a polishing cloth, and then in really, you know, extreme cases. Yeah. Use your Tarnex because it's it's so strong. Well, and you can even you can like you can it. smell it. You can oh, yeah. it's like it paint thinner basically. But, like I just have the water I had the water running, I had a Q tip, I just <laughs> I like literally dipped it in. I do like a lug and a section and of the bezel and then rinse and then dip again. I just kept doing that and it literally was thirty yeah. seconds to a minute to clean the entire really watch. Careful. It was super fast. Um and, and I don't think there's anything you know, it's, it's the case is solid bronze, so it's not like it's going to take off a top layer or something. Right. But, um, yeah, anyway, so that's, that's my wrist check. I've really been enjoying this Oris quite a bit. It was, you know, it's one of those things I was so bummed that, that, um, we had the issue with it so early on, right? But they, but they fixed really, it. They fixed it. Right. And so I, when it first happened, I'm like, oh man, I'm kind of down on Oris. And we really, we really want to love Oris, right? And I think. Well, I love the 36, um, the bronze that we saw at Couture the, the, Time. The big date, the pointer date. Yeah. Yeah. The ladies. And they just or released. Or not so much ladies, but it was a 36 millimeter. It's a 36 and with a green dial. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And they just love released it. a 40 millimeter version today. Matching. As, and they're calling it the 80th anniversary of the. Oh boy. The big date. That could date. be his and hers. Or the big pointer, or maybe, whatever. Maybe I like the bronze so much because it's more orange than pink. I don't know. It just looks more like a, a solid metal to me. I I agree. I mean, I I'm not a huge rose gold guy. I like it in some cases. I love it on the Rolex, the new Rolex GMT Master Two brown dial, the, the two tone. I think it's really works there. But in most cases, I don't like it. The bronze, for some reason, when I finally saw this in the flesh in the metal. I fell for it. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's really it's a pretty. neat looking material. And, you know, like I said, I just keep it clean and I think I'm going to enjoy this watch for a long time. Um, it's not one I don't think I'm going to consider selling, which is one of our topics today. But mm. so anyway, I think that's probably it for the wrist checks. Um, I'm just looking at our, at our time here. Okay. So why don't we jump into the first topic? This first topic is kind of interesting. Um, as you can hear, as you can hear the wine. wine being poured. Um, we were kind of joking around the other day about. Um, and by the way, yes, you do hear a screw top. <laughs> <on that. laughs> we actually live on the wine trail, which is sort of funny. Yeah. Because we're we're not big wine drinkers, but today we're mm-hmm. having a um, a decent wine that has a screw top. But nothing wrong. Having with grown up in California, we've been exposed to the wine industry. And we've been exposed to um, people coming in from other areas of the United States and educating themselves. And there's, I think there's a lot of similarities between watch. I mean, it's just like any other hobby. You've got. Um, this actually came up. Yeah. This came up because of a conversation we had with someone else. 
We did, um, and just and just some common industries. Yeah, and and I've talked about this before, where I find that watch fans are some watch fans are similar to wine fans, I guess you could say, where some people um, only like certain wines, or they only like certain colors of wines, like. I've had some people tell me I only drink red wine or I only wear Swiss watches or I don't wear, um, quartzes or right. There, there's two I only sides like this it, red right? kind of wine it's and like white a... wine is subpar. And even yeah. though, I mean, living in California and growing up around it with relatives in the wine country, it's actually harder to make a white wine than it is to make a red wine. So Quite a bit. we kind of giggle a little bit when people say that. And we're not mean, but, you know, we're, we just, it's just something we've grown up around. Yeah. So I see a lot of similarities in, and it's just like any other hobby. You've got some people who like certain things and they, they won't accept parts of that industry as legitimate so if you look at if let's look at the parallel. So you look at, at the watch industry over over time, right? Watches used to be a necessity. You wore them because you needed to tell the time. Um if you look at let's take Rolex as an example. Um you know, back in the day, you'd have guys in the military, they're overseas, they'd go to the PX, they'd buy a Rolex before they came the BX home. The PX or the PX. Whatever it's called, um it was a tool watch. Right. And they bought it and some of them still have them now. But as the industry has changed, we don't need it anymore. It's become a luxury. So you get two sides to the watch industry. You get the, and I'll just say it, you get the snobby Swiss side and then you get the other side, which is micro brands and Japanese brands. Right. But there are some affordable Swiss brands. Totally, totally get it. Yeah. It's just a range. It's the perception of the, this, the, you know, the stuffy, mm-hmm. unwilling to change Swiss watch industry, right? Um, and then you've got the other side, which is people that just love watches. They just, you know, you got guys that'll collect 50 Seikos, right? And hate Rolex. So you've kind of got this love-hate thing in the watch industry. Or someone who hates uh, Invicta or, you know, other small brands that right. are and, cheap. Yeah. Er, and so we see the same in the wine industry, right? And it's... The wine industry, so, and I'll just, I'll tell you guys, I've been in California my entire life, born here, grew up here, I'm getting old here, uh, and we have, um, we have a cousin that lives in a town called St. Lena, which is literally the heart of, that's in the heart of Napa Valley and, and the heart of wine Multiple country. Multiple cousins, yeah. Right? And when I was younger, I mean, it was, it was just a little podunk country town, and my cousin and I would walk around the streets, we'd go to the the drugstore and buy gum and we'd go to the old movie theater and it was 25 cents to see a movie or 50 cents or whatever sit on the roof and watch people walk by on main street. Yeah. It was not, you know, it was just your typical small town and locals in, in the area here in the San Francisco Bay area would come and do some wine tasting. The wine tasting was all free. Mm -hmm. Right. I I grew up, uh, my folks took us to Sonoma for weekend trips because it was a close drive yeah, and we'd bring carrots for the donkeys and horses that were there at some of these teeny tiny wineries that don't even exist anymore. And you didn't you didn't have to pay for tasting. You'd go in and no, buy I, a bottle of wine, and my mom would bring a pic- picnic lunch, and it was really fun. And it was, it was a very, really fun time. It was a friendly atmosphere, and it was mostly family owned vineyards and family owned wineries, and 
and now you go to St. Helena or Napa or any, I mean, it is, or even Sonoma, it is or... like high end artsy, you know, I don't know, hoity toity. It's not my Very thing. Hoity-toity. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it be, it's become that kind of Switzerland, I guess, of the wine industry. But then you go, you come here, like we live in a little town called Auburn. We live on, uh, on the gold country wine trail. We have several wineries up here. More um, than several. Well, yeah, there's, there's a lot of wineries <laughs> up lot. here and, and it's, uh, we've got one right across the street and you know, you go to Napa or Sonoma, it's crazy. Everything's super expensive. You don't taste wine for free. They charge you for everything. Whereas here it's kind of like Napa and Sonoma used to be 40 years, you know, 30, 40 yeah, years I ago. Think, I think if you buy a bottle across the street, they don't charge you for a, they don't charge you a fee. Well, and most wineries around here won't charge you a fee at all. You just go in, you taste. If you buy a bottle, great. If you don't, that means they feel that that means they haven't done their job and they have to improve their wine to get people to buy it, right? They want to earn your business, and that's not the feeling that you get anymore when you go to Napa Valley. I mean, that is just that is the like I said, it's kind of the Switzerland of of the wine industry and so it's a little bit of a bummer, but but there's a lot of great places that you can go, taste great wine, amazing wine. All up and down our really corridor amazing here wine. from Central Valley. From our area all the way down through Lodi and Yep. Yep. Out kind of out in the middle of the what used to be just, you know, food well, it was farming. Orchard, yeah. It was food farming and and there's a lot of wine down there and but it's good it's very, 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 very good wine. I mean fantastic wine. But there's a lot of people out there that'll say, oh, if it's not Napa Valley, then it's junk. I'm not going to drink it. And it's just, you know, unfortunately, that's that's just a lack of knowledge. And, and you know, they need it's, to be it's more too open-minded. bad. You got to be open-minded, yeah. right? Like we always talk about in the watch world, be open-minded. Don't care what other people think. Buy what you love. Love what you buy. Um, of course, if you don't love it after you buy it, sell it, which we're going to talk about next. <laughs> but anyway, so we just, it was just an interesting... It was an interesting conversation. Well, yeah, we it's had like and... love what you buy, buy what you love. Like we, um, we have some favorites of some high end wines that are like Carneros Chardonnays, and then we've got like. By the I, way, Carneros is a region. It, it is in in Napa yeah. Valley. However, I'm a big fan of the box wine because you can take it on a boat, and you totally. can you can totally. carry it with you, and you can throw some ice cubes in it. So. I, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, this person is so unclassy, but you know, there's a time and a place for everything. Well, we can, we own $20 quartz watches and we own Rolexes that cost several thousand dollars. Right. And we're the same in whatever, whether it's wine or watches or cars or whatever. I mean, I, there's a range. You should just appreciate it all. You'll like it all though. And don't, I guess my, my thing is I hate it when people are judgmental of other people. Because they, because if someone doesn't do or agree with them in terms of what's good in the watch industry or then what's good in right. the wine industry, then it's not right. It's like, well, it's not right for me. It's just maybe. like everything. Yeah. So just. It's like anything. Anyway, we just thought that was kind of interesting because there, there are a lot of parallels. Um, and actually the automotive industry is another, another good one that I think kind of be compared to watches in certain ways. Although that I think would be a big discussion. It would be. But I think the wine is, it is really close. Uh, just, and even, boy, even the beer industry now, I mean, the, all There's the a lot of micro breweries, breweries up here and now. everything. And 
you know, I, our I, climate is really good for beer yeah, up here. And I love a good craft brew, but if it's hot out and I'm working all Coors Light's awesome. That's great. You know, I'll, whatever just depends on my mood and you know, so I guess that's kind of a good parallel too. But anyway, so we thought that was uh, something worth talking about. So we'd like to hear from you guys. Let us know what you think. Is it, are we totally off base? Is it similar? Is Will you hate me for drinking box wine? <laughs> yeah. Don't hate us for drinking box wine. Um, so yeah, anyway, just, just interested to hear what you guys think. So we thought that was kind of a It's fun, not like I'm going to turn topic. down a, a glass of, of Dom Perignon either. That's champagne, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Just checking. I've never had it. So, but there's lots of good wines out there in many ranges. There's lots of great watches. Yep. It's a, I think it's a really interesting comparison. Yeah, I, I do too. All right. I think that's enough of the, of the, the wine, wine topic. Let's, uh, let's keep drinking our wine and go on to buying and selling and buying and selling. Well, and like I said, it's timely, right? Cause we've, we've said before that, we buy watches, we don't sell watches, but we've gotten to a point in our collection where we just can't bring more in, right? It, well, and, we're but, finding that we can't wear them all. You can't wear them all. It's hard to store them all. Um, it's expensive to have money tied up in watches you're not wearing. It's expensive. So we've recently started selling and you just sold your first piece, mm-hmm. which was? The Christopher Ward. Yeah, Trident. The, the Trident GMT, and I'm I found that I was. I found that I initially I wore it, and I found that as time went on, I have several pieces that I'm not wearing very much. Yeah, I keep them locked in my safe, and I'm not wearing them. I'm thinking it's kind of a shame that they're that I'm not wearing that them. They're not and being they're, enjoyed by exactly. Someone, right? So, and depending on your lifestyle, your wardrobe, and what you're, you know. It just wasn't, you know, some of these pieces that I have just aren't getting used. Right. So we're looking at, you know, possibly selling some pieces so that we can purchase other more wearable pieces based on our lifestyle. Well, and that brings up a great point. So what you love versus what is really going to wear, what you're really going to wear are it's two different things, right? Exactly. And there's different reasons for selling, whether it's, whether it's just not getting worn and, and it doesn't make sense to have it sitting there or you want to upgrade to a more expensive piece by selling, you know, a, several less expensive pieces. That's a big reason. A lot of people will do that. They'll, you know, they, they have, they build up a collection and then they've got this grail. So they sell off, you know, a, a portion of the collection to buy the grail watch. So that's a very popular reason for selling watches. Mm-hmm. Um, but also downgrading. So that's actually something that we're talking about is maybe selling one watch and buying a couple of less expensive watches. Matching watches. Maybe matching, you know, who knows, but um that that's another and you don't you probably don't hear that reasoning that often. I hear more that people sell several watches to upgrade to more expensive watches and they keep kind of doing that and, and getting to that, you know, Patek or whatever it is that is their ultimate holy grail. Um, we don't really have that. I mean, I don't have any like super high end watches that I'm really shooting for. Um, but we do have some that we've spent a decent amount of money on that don't get worn very often that we're kicking the idea around of selling and then getting a couple, like we've got one that we share that we spent quite a bit of money on 
and we're thinking about selling it and getting two separate watches, Mm -hmm. one for each of us. So that are a more subdued style so that we can wear it with more everyday things like the one watch that we want to sell. I can't really wear with a pair of sweats. And I, and I can't wear it like when I go to customers or coworkers, I don't feel comfortable wearing it around. And even if I'm just wearing it kind of out in public, I don't, and it may, it may be, it's beautiful, but it's just not me. It's just not a a match with our personality and with our interests, which yep, it's just kind of unusual to say that because it is a beautiful, and we both wanted it. I mean, it it is gorgeous. Okay. What are are we going to tell them which watch it is? So sure. Okay. So it's the Submariner two-tone, which is a gorgeous, gorgeous watch, but it's a, it's pretty specific, um, feel to it where there's you, no you mistaking just, it for yeah, anything yeah, it's, else. It is it's a, pretty obvious that it's a Rolex out there on the end of your wrist. I'm wearing a Rolex type of watch, which, you know, for some people that's great. Um, what did you, what did you say? What did you say I look like today? Like an ex, like a really rich golfer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not rich. And he doesn't golf, and I don't golf. So maybe like this watch doesn't fit me. And you don't really want to look like something you're not. Well, and I tried. So when we first bought it, I felt really uncomfortable with uh, all of the gold, right? And it's got the two tone bracelet and everything. There's all. It's, it's really it's, shiny. It's shiny. The dial is a beautiful blue, which it's is beautiful. my favorite part of the watch. Um, so I had our, uh, friend of the show now, EA eight, who, um, I kind of got to know through two broke watch knobs. I'd been following him on, on Instagram, made a gorgeous strap for, it. I mean, it's a, it's a dark blue with gold stitching oh, on it. It's perfect. It's perfect. So I tried it on that and I, I felt better with that, but you still got this big gold watch head, right? The gold bezel and there's a lot of gold on it still. And again, it's not something that, like, why do I, I can't just wear it around the house, right? And I, I don't feel comfortable. Well, if I wear, I go my, to customer I wear my watches around the house. Well, yeah, but but I want to be able to feel comfortable going out of the house, wearing the watch. And, and not give off the wrong message, maybe? Like what, so yeah, I are we worried about weird. the message? Yeah, are we worried about... I'm not worried giving... about what people think of me. I, I'm just... Well, maybe I am. I don't know. I, I, I guess I just don't. There is a certain message that goes with that watch, I guess. Yeah. You're a pretty and down-to-earth guy. I am. I'm very down-to-earth. And earth. maybe that watch doesn't portray the stereotypical down-to-earth person. And that's this is not abnormal. I mean... It's a sporty as watch. watch collectors and watch lovers, we all see a watch and just fall head over heels in lust with it. Gotta Correct. have it. You buy it and then, you know, for whatever reason, decide it's just not you. It doesn't feel right. doesn't look right. doesn't fit right. Whatever the reason might be. Well, and maybe everyone's opinion of it is totally different. Of course it is. I mean, and Rolex is very divisive. And I mean, there's people that love Rolex and there's people that hate Rolex. There's people that don't know anything about watches that buy a Rolex because they get to a certain point in their career and they feel that's what they need to do to show people that they've succeeded. It's like a, right. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of like that rite of passage or something into that executive the destination. Or, and that's not us. I'm not, I'll, I don't ever want to go into management. It's not something I want to, that's not a vibe, I guess I want to put off. So, 
but we just love the look of Rolex and we love the history and we love the accuracy and we love the quality. I love the yellow and blue because I'm, I'm Swedish and loved that there was the two colors and I love two go, tones, well silver together. and gold. And yeah. Yeah. And it's just not, I don't know for me, it's just not, I don't know. It, it's, I guess it's just it's not me. One. And so I guess the moral of the story is you, you purchase something, you wear it. If it works, it works. And if it doesn't, then you, you move on and maybe you sell it and it's okay. Cause you've lived with it. Yep. And as you live with it and own it, then maybe you decide if it's really something that's going to really fit in with your lifestyle. Yeah. And if it doesn't, especially if it's a more expensive piece like the Rolex, I just, I'm just always thinking, guys, it's just sitting there. Mm-hmm. It's not getting worn. That's a lot of money to have tied up in something that you're not wearing. And for some people, that doesn't matter, right? If you're super wealthy, you can have right, money tied up fine. and all that stuff. That's whatever, fine. that's fine. Because it's a great us, collector that's not piece. The case. I mean, so yeah, so that's one we're thinking of selling. And that's one actually that we'll be able to, I, I, I was able to get a very good deal on it. So, you know, I'll at least get my money out of it. If not actually make a little on it, which, you know, is great, but whatever, it'd be nice just to get my money back out of it. Most watches are not that way. I mean, if you sell a watch, you're very likely going to lose money on it. But I don't look at it as losing money. I look at it as you got X amount of dollars worth of enjoyment Correct. out of it for that period of time, right? Well, and when I sold the Christopher Ward, the person we sold it to was so excited about it. It was one of our local Red Bar members. Yes. He loved it. He loves he was it. Super it makes me so happy. It. Makes me so happy. And he, it's funny because he's got big, like bigger risks than me. And he preferred the 38 over my 43. Mm-hmm. And it looked wonderful on him. It did. It looked really good. Uh, the 43, is, it's a big watch, um, but yeah, I love but it. It's it's a nice size just for my wrist. Yeah, and just because your your wrist diameter is a certain uh, circumference, it, if you look at your hand versus your arm, it really makes a difference in how it fits. So yep. I kind of learned something with that. Well, and and one of the reasons that we're selling it, that's, I guess it's kind of... We're selling the Christopher Wards, at least for me, when I started thinking about selling my Christopher Ward. And again, you sold yours. I'm going to sell mine. But um, that's more of a case of wanting to upgrade because I would really like to have a true GMT that quick adjusts the main hour hand. Right. Um, Or something like the Oris. This is terrible. I can't think of the name of it, but it's the new world. I think it's the world timer. But it's actually got two separate subdials for two time zones, um, or no, it's got a separate maybe one. So I don't know. I think it's a separate subdial for a second time zone than the main dial. But it's really cool because you kind of click the bezel. You you rotate the bezel, it clicks, and that adjusts the main hour hand. So you get a true a travel. I guess you call it a traveler's GMT as opposed mm-hmm. to like an office or a desk GMT where you're, where you're adjusting the separate GMT hand. So, um, you know, for us, that's kind of, you know, you, you've had your eye in the, the Rolex Explorer to the polar dial, which is a real, a true traveler's GMT. So that might be something in our future after we sell some pieces. But, um, so that's kind of why we really looked at selling those. Or even like a does Panerai make a a GMT? Panerai makes a GMT. Yeah. And that's a more wearable, like for me, the two I love the two tone as a just as a look, but I'm a I'm a country girl. 
and I'm always in jeans and I'm always dirty. And right. I think for me, something like a, a stainless steel watch, something like that would be more wearable for me. I find myself wearing the black Rolex Explorer one that you, you surprised me with. Right. Black and stainless. And that's a 36. That's a 36. It could be, I mean, I could wear something larger, but it's just such a simple watch that I find that I wear it more often than other watches. It's like your, the Oyster Perpetuals that we have. The, you have yeah, the 34 and, and the, I have the 39. That's almost the same size, the, yeah. like the champagne dial. Yeah. That it's just so, it just blends in with what I'm wearing. It's not, it's not something that just stands out. Because I'm really, I'm a kind of a subdued type person. And those are what, that's one of those, you know, if I were to ever go to one watch, that would be a contender, right? Like the Explorer one or the Oyster, those would definitely be contenders, especially like my blue dial 39 millimeter. That would be a a one watch contender if we ever did that, which we won't, but. Well, and we actually put a reservation in for the Hampton, is it Nanak? Uh, Yeah, Nanak, um, the, uh, the day date. So it's got the look of the president, the Rolex presidential with the full day spelled out on top. And that's something that would be, they've marketed as a one watch household watch kind of a thing. Yeah. And it's, I think it's a 39 or 38 millimeter. So it's great size. And as a person who does, you know, has a lot of livestock and, you know, both of us could wear that and. Yeah, we. I mean, that that could definitely be a watch that we share for sure. Um, so, so we've talked a lot about selling. Where do you sell? And that's something that I'm still kind of trying to figure out. Right? I know a lot of guys will sell on the forums, like Watch You Seek. Um, you run into some issues though if you don't participate in the forums on a regular basis and have a certain amount of posts. A lot of them won't let you post in their classified. So you, you're kind of stuck. Like, how do I how do I sell the watch? So. But that's probably one of the most popular ways to sell a watch is to put it on a forum in the the for sale section. And then you've got apps like Watch Patrol and Watch Recon that go out and crawl those different um, forums and and just crawl the classified. Which we found watches on posts. Those. Yeah, we've, and yeah. We've, we found like we bought your monster using I think it was I think I found that on Watch Patrol um, and that was a watch you seek listing. So you don't need necessarily need to post on a watch you seek because those will crawl a lot of the different forums. So, um, we're going to be look, I'm going to be looking at the forums and posting there. You know, some people are comfortable with eBay. I don't think it's, that's not for me in terms of selling. I've bought some stuff on eBay, but I don't know if I'll ever sell a watch on eBay. We've bought a lot of vintage watches on eBay. Like, like, um, like my little Seikos that have been like 30, $50 Mm -hmm. from the sixties and seventies. And that's, you know, some, there's some really reputable sellers. The Belmatics. You bought the Seiko Belmatics. Oh my gosh, I lucked out on that for like a yep. hundred bucks. That was a great buy. <laughs> the, the Stellaris that I bought, the transistorized uh-huh. watch, that was an eBay. The battery powered. But I don't know if I want to hassle with selling. and So I don't know. That's that's still up in the air for me on, on whether larger I would list it there. Items, yeah. Maybe for a larger... I don't know. That's something to think about. Uh, but another place that's growing in popularity is Instagram. Because all of us watch freaks we're all on instagram that's where we all share we our watches other. right and a lot of people you start to know people i've purchased some watches off of instagram so i've gotten leads off instagram you've gotten leads off instagram sure. um so yeah so i'll probably post the christopher ward up on on instagram on under my ranch racer account 
um, for sale, right? Because it's I think it's a really good place to to get items out there that you want to sell from a watch perspective. So that's another good place. Um, and then the other one is there's a lot of places that'll buy watches back from you. Now you're not going to get you're not going to get retail like like a used market price that you could get private parties like trading in a car right Right. if you're going to sell it to a dealer they're gonna they need to take a cut because they want to be able to turn it and you know they want to flip it and make money on it which i totally understand um and actually that's something else i want to talk about which was flipping um drives me nuts and like i know ariel's talked about this on his podcast quite a bit um it's something that's, it's kind of infected the watch industry where, um, you know, Rolex Daytona's and Patek Philippe Nautilus. And I think it's the Nautilus, maybe it's the Aquanaut, um, Royal Oak, right? The Audemars PK Royal Oak. Uh, you, you get these, there's this kind of ugly back world, back channel world of watch flipping, you know, and it sucks because, you know, these, these Gray, they're based. They're gray market dealers, right? They've got relationships with, uh, with sales associates and stuff in different stores and boutiques, and uh, you know those those really rare watches come in, and it's super easy for the sales associate just to sell them right to that gray market Special dealer. They've got a sale or... right there. They know they're going to buy it. They'll buy several at a time, and then those guys turn and they flip them for double the cost. <sighs> And that's created this horrible market uh, that's it's kind of opposite what the gray market it traditionally is because you know the gray market traditionally has been dealers will buy excess stock that kind of like an overstock.com exactly sort of like they yeah. like a like a authorized dealer or a wholesaler can't get rid of right watches it's all they reputable. can't get rid of inventory right. So you've got and the junk shops of the it's world bulk. yeah they buy a bunch of it and they sell at a discount. Because they get such good deals on it, right, right, and well, they're, they're and we love them because they're reputable. Yeah, but flipping is op, flipping is different. Flipping is when it's basically speculating, right? And like the whole this whole limited edition thing, right? Whether it's an Omega or you know a limited edition Speedmaster or whatever it is, but you know people will buy them not because they like them and they they want to own it and wear it and love it. They buy it with the express intent of leaving it in that box and flipping it for a profit. And you see that in the high-end car market too with Ferraris and Lamborghinis and all that kind of stuff. You see it all the time. And Dealerships. It's, it's, I think for I mean, me personally, I think it's really hurting the watch industry. It's giving the watch industry a, ba- a black eye. Um, I think it's giving the manufacturers a black eye. I, I don't think they care. I think Rolex is totally content to see their watches flipping for double what the list prices but for me i think it's it sets a precedent apparently yeah and I, I just think it's it's unfortunate right for people that really love watches but you've got the sharks in the water that are out there to make a, a, a quick buck and it's it's too bad but that's i wanted to touch on that because that's uh that's one of the reasons that i've got here for selling is flipping and i think it's a really bad reason um so anyway, oh, our secretary just walked in. I could hear her walking around. Hi. <laughs> hey, buddy. Oh, you're a good girl. Um, so buying watches. <laughs> <laughs> She's, 
<laughs> Did you pause it? You got the you got the, the oh, lasers. Oh no, we're good. Yeah, she's you got a good the lasers. Uh, I think she has to go to the bathroom. She has to go. This yeah. this has happened like three times when we yeah. recorded a show. Actually, or, you want to take a little pause and then. Well, we'll I, come I'm going to pause it so I can take her out and then we'll okay. come back. All right. And we're back. I bet you it felt like we never left, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you can hear the screw, screw top cap. on the wine bottle as we polish that that bottle off. Uh, so we were, we're talking about buying and selling watches. Uh, I think we've talked quite a bit about selling. I'd like to talk a little bit about buying and where do you buy watches, especially for those of you that are just getting into the hobby. It could be kind of daunting to figure out where to buy. Like if you see a watch on Instagram you like, it's like, where the heck do I buy that? Um, and there are many, many different ways to uh, acquire watches. So we'll we'll talk about some of the different categories. Um you know, depending on the type of watch you're looking to buy, you might be buying online or you might be buying locally at a jewelry store. So that's one of the first categories that I wanted to touch on is authorized dealers. So, you know, if you've been in the watch collecting gig for a while, you've you've heard the term AD. All that means is authorized dealer. It just means that that dealer is uh, authorized to purchase either direct from a brand or from a wholesaler that the brand sells to. So uh, authorized dealers, for the most part, they're normally like jewelry stores, like chain jewelry stores that happen to carry, you know, to a couple of watch brands, maybe three or four, depending on the size of the, of the uh, jewelry store. Uh, and they could range from Seiko's to Rolex and, and even higher. So that's, uh, kind of the first category within authorized dealers is just the chain jewelry stores that you see in the mall and you know well, or your private um your local jewelers like our local in our Any little jewelry town store. Yeah. they're authorized seiko yep and they're actually recently authorized as rolex resellers so definitely check out really? your, oh yes our local what does that mean they are authorized to resell uh used rolexes I didn't realize you had to be authorized to. Uh, That's apparently you do. Apparently you do. I'm going to have to go talk to yeah, them I'm about surprised. that. I'm surprised. That I, I've mentioned it to you, but maybe you were. You might, maybe I didn't remember, but I didn't realize maybe you. Maybe you weren't listening to me. I always listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. I guess I didn't realize that that that's news to me that you had to be authorized to resell Rolexes. Yes. They're an authorized Rolex reseller. So of where do they Rolex. get the watches? They take them on trade. You know, I don't know. You, I guess we should probably let's find out more about that. Yeah, let's, I, that's let's an, talk that's a new to them. one on me. I, I'd love to find out more about that. But yes, it, it can be a small. <laughs> it could totally be a small town, you know, local jeweler. But my point is, their main focus is on jewelry, and they've got a case or two of watches. Right. Um, but I have to say our local jeweler has an amazing Seiko that that's their main, they're an authorized dealer yeah, they, for Seiko. They, and they it's have, a small selection, they pretty but much, they, they well, carry they like had the popular every, ones like the cocktail time yeah, and they carry they had, like the Pepsi dial. They had everything I was looking prospects, for. Prospects, the yeah. turtle and stuff. But, um, the important that's, I think that's the local jewelers. Sometimes they will be more knowledgeable. If you go to like a chain jewelry store, you find very little watch knowledge in those places. Very little. Right. Uh, and again, it depends on where you're going. Um, but a lot of these, you know, we'll, like we'll be in the mall and we walk in and we like, 
ask a question on a on a Seiko they, that they we already know, know about, and they and don't know the difference between a quartz. They and don't an even know what movements in right. it, right? Is there, I mean, they're clueless. That's pretty typical because a lot of them are, you know, this is a job that could be a first job out of high school or in high school or college or whatever, but not a lot of knowledge. The next level of authorized dealer are like the the watch mega stores, right? And examples of this would be Torno or uh, Watches of Switzerland or Tourbillon. You have to be in a really large city to go to that, though. Yeah, you're not going to find them in podunk towns, country towns like ours. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you go to Vegas, you'll find them all. San Francisco's got a Turbion. They might have, they, they have a Torno as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I go back to little podunk towns like ours? Of course you can. So I have, I have some friends and listeners who are in podunk towns, which we love. And I think um, as authorized dealers... They may be a little bit, you know, more towards retail prices for their watches. Yep. They don't buy in big quantities. However, right? they are going to meet your needs on buying extra things like straps. And when they have sales, let me tell you, 50% off sales they've had at our store where we picked up our, our Seiko Tuna. So you really have to, you know, get, yeah. a, get a relationship with your local jeweler because as authorized dealers, they're really going to be connected and they're going to have inventory that they want to move. Well, and they'll call us like the day before and they'll say, come on in in the morning, get here early because we got 50% off on Seiko all day, right? right? Which is odd. That's, that's a big discount on Seiko watches. Um, but yeah, so it's, if you've got a little jewelry store in town and they sell watches, definitely, you know, get Make to know them and yeah, and they will, they will take care of you. At least ours does. So, um, it's a little bit different in the big mega stores, but uh, we met a gal that was just amazing when we bought our watches from Torneau in Vegas. Mm. Um, Ms. Christine. Yeah, and and you can get um, you can get some good discounts in the larger stores uh, because the last category of authorized dealers is not even really an authorized dealer; it's a boutique, and that's like our local Omega boutique. Omega owns those. Right. They're they're basically selling direct to the public. And it's cool because you get to see all of, you know, they've got a great selection of their brand. Uh, but you're going to get fewer, you're going to get less of a discount at those places. And I think a lot of that just revolves around the fact that the brands are trying to maintain a certain image. Uh, and if they start, start steeply discounting their watches, that from their perspective, that's going to have a negative connotation on their brand value. Whereas if you buy from a local jewelry store or Tourneau or Tourbillon or one of those larger places, um, you're usually going to get a better discount, right? They don't have the restrictions that the boutiques have because the boutiques are owned by the brands. Uh, they're usually a couple steps away from the brands because they're most of the time they're going to buy from a wholesaler, wholesaler. Um, and you can also establish great relationships with those folks. I mean, we've, you know, I've gotten to know Rob at Topper Jewelers. Topper is very well known throughout the watch community, regardless of where you live. They're here in the Bay Area and they carry everything from. Well, out there in the Bay Area. Out there in the Bay Area. They carry everything from <laughs> We're not Casio G-Shocks, basic entry-level Casio G-Shocks. And Phil- they carry Philip Stein all the way up to Glashuta Original and Omega and Blanc Pun. Grand Seiko, right? It runs the gamut in there. So 
whether your budget is $200 or 20,000, a place like Topper can take care of you. Uh, and they're, you know, I, Rob's awesome. Love going in there. They do all kinds of events. They partner with, um, the a Bay area watch collecting group. And so that's an example of a, of just a wonderful AD that carries a lot of different watches and an entire half the store is dedicated to watches. So it's not like your typical chain jewelry store that has a little case of a few, di- a couple different brands. I mean, they're very dedicated to, to watches and, and it shows. So, so that's one way to buy is you buy from an authorized dealer or a boutique. Um, again, in the boutique, you're don't go asking for a 40% discount or a 20% discount or even a 10% discount. You might get a couple percent, you know, off of a watch, but they are very limited in what they can do. Of course, you're going to get that factory. You know, a lot of people, it's important to them. They want to have that relationship directly with the brand. They want to know they're buying directly from the brand. They can take it there for service. So there's a lot of upside to it as well. Um, and actually, our Tourneau gal has moved to Omega. She has. Omega Brand new and Omega. Brightling. Yeah, mm-hmm. Omega and Brightling Boutique. At the wind. At the wind. So we'll see her in January. Hopefully. That could be dangerous. Especially if we sell some watches before we go. <laughs> so now if, um, if someone buys, if someone purchases a watch, let's say on the gray market, like you mm-hmm. go on Joma shop and buy, um, and I'm not advocating Joma shop. I'm just right. talking like every, all the, wa- you know, everyone, realistically, everyone knows about Joma shop. If someone purchases a watch, like a Rolex or a Breitling or a Omega or whatever brand, if they buy it on Joma shop and they have problems with it. Is it, um, you know, within a certain amount of time, I'm sure they're, it's covered from the yeah. Joma shop warranty. So that, yeah. Correct. And then after that, if you want to get it maintained, can you take it to your local watchmaker? I'm just doing a, a, a scenario. So yeah, you, you can, can. Like for your regular maintenance, yep. where would you say that you would take it to? Would you take it to an Omega specifically? Like if you have a, let's say a Speedmaster, would you take it to an Omega dealership AD for um, maintenance or would you take it to your local, So, like your local t- small town? Like we have a small town, fantastic watch person. Would I take my Omega there? Would I take it to, like what? what's your advice? So the answer is yes. Um, yes what? <laughs> The answer is just yes. <laughs> yes, everything. So, so that's a, a, a good lead into where else you can buy, which is gray market. Um, and like I said, gray market is uh, usually these large, these gray market dealers will buy excess inventory from retailers, from authorized dealers that can't unload inventory from wholesalers that sit between the manufacturer and the, and the authorized dealers. They'll buy up the stock at really heavy discounts and then sell at a discount. I'm talking about maintenance. I know we're, Mm. we're getting there. So, (laughs) so that's great, right? So you get, and we've, we've, I'll, I'll say it. We've bought some awesome watches through the gray market. Um, a lot of people look at the gray market as high risk. That can be true depending on where you buy from, but there are some larger, I think, you know, like I said, Joma shop is probably the biggest when it comes to gray market, at least in the unit in the U S I don't know about other countries, but, uh, Joma shop is a very large online gray market dealer. Uh, they have a good selection and 
what you don't get very legitimate good, good well people. they are legitimate what you don't get is you don't get the factory mm-hmm. warranty and it's important to understand that so like omega for instance just went from two year to a five-year warranty on all their watches which is awesome right they just announced that last week and if you buy one of their new watches on the gray market you will not get that factory five-year warranty now depending on where you buy from like a if you buy from a joma shop they have watchmakers on and watch or i should say watch technicians they have watch technicians on site you get a warranty from joma shop so if you have a problem with it you send it to joma shop back east i think they're in new york new jersey thank you new jersey uh and yeah there's somewhere over on the other side of this country and i don't know that other side of this country very well i do um i've been to florida and that's it so anyway, you, you send it to them. It's covered under warranty for a couple of years, whatever. Uh, now, after that, after that period, whether it's whether you buy from an authorized dealer and you have the warranty coverage done through them, it doesn't have to be through that dealer. You can go to any authorized dealer that, that sells that brand uh, to have it covered under warranty. With the gray market, you have to sell it. You have to send it to the gray market uh, dealer that you bought it from, and they will service it. So once that warranty is up, the answer to your question is you can take it to a boutique, a local boutique. You can take it to an authorized dealer, or you can take it to a local watchmaker that just does watch repair, right? If they service that brand and most watchmakers will have a list of brands that they service and there'll be some brands that they don't service, but pretty much for all the brands that we care about and talk about on the show, you can go to a local watchmaker and they can service it. Um, sometimes like if you buy, if you buy Grand Seiko, for instance, that goes back to Grand Seiko for service. If it's a spring drive, because it's a very particular movement, very particular pieces. Um, one thing to be aware of is that in certain instances, uh, local watchmakers are unable to buy factory parts. And that's a big contentious issue in the watch industry right now. So. The watch manufacturers in that case are forcing you to go through their authorized dealers and they're forcing you to go through their service, which is kind of like taking your car to a dealership versus a local mechanic. Dealership's always more expensive. So pretty much in every case, if you go through an authorized dealer or a boutique to have your watch serviced for that manufacturer, it's going to cost you more, right? So it's just something to be aware of. And again, it's... uh, it's a very contentious issue because there's a lot of great watchmakers out there that could easily repair your Omega or your Rolex or whatever it is, but they're unable to get, uh, the factory, the factory parts to, to, you know, fix your watch for you. So they can't do it. Well, I know that our local, um, our local jeweler couldn't get parts for my watch. That was a Japanese release. And they're a Seiko dealer. And they're but a Seiko, because it was a JDM, a Seiko, yeah, they're yeah, it's a G, it's a Japanese domestic market watch. They couldn't get parts for it, which I don't understand. It's like we have the internet, we have you know everyone, and that's why it's it's ridiculous. It's it, I think it's stupid that the that the just doesn't make sense. Manufacturers won't. It's like these people want to buy the parts from you so they can service your watches. Why not sell them to them? So that's you know I, I think it's stupid personally. I mean I think. If you're a watchmaker, if you're a certified watchmaker and you want to 
repair a certain brand, you should be able to buy the parts for it. But a lot of the brands require you to go through their training, which is expensive, become certified with their watches before you can service them. So that's, that's what creates kind of that issue. But, you know, for the most part, if like, if we're talking about a Seiko, take it anywhere, right? Pretty much anyone can service an Mm -hmm. NH35 or a, or um, an ETA 2824 or a Salida. And our local, our local AD can actually, their prices are really good for doing a service on a, like a full restoration on, you know, and even a, a vintage watch. Oh yeah, for sure. It, prices are all over the the book. I mean, well, in another place for service, I know we're kind of off topic, but we're just know, babbling on. There's on. a lot of guys <laughs> on Instagram that'll that'll do service for you, right? Whether it's like Terry at Toxic Nados, you could send your watch to him, and he works with the local watchmaker. Um, buying on time, who we've purchased watches from, they, there's some service that can be done there. So there's there's um, you know you can find outlets for service on Instagram too. I guess is my point. So. Um, so that kind of leads me into the last area of purchasing watches, which is online. And well, the dog just, I don't know what the dog's barking about. (laughs) She's upset. She's upset about something. (laughs) And we do have a life here. So, (laughs) yeah. So let's quickly talk about, about online. So for a lot of, for us and for a lot of our listeners going online is a great place to buy watches. Uh, especially if you're looking at buying a micro brand, there's not, you really can't go into a store and buy a micro brand, right? And we've talked about micro brands in the past. Uh, you got to buy it online, whether it's a Kickstarter campaign or direct from the micro brands website, but more and more large manufacturers are getting into online sales. It's taking the Swiss market a long time to be dragged into the, into the present, but you know, you, you look at an Omega. Omega, you can buy Omega watches online now. So you're not going to get a discount. You're going to pay MSRP, right? Or if they have a sale, whatever. Um, but you can buy Omegas. You can buy, I th- I'm trying to think of Blanc, Blancpain might sell online. Uh, Rolex does not sell online. You still have to go through authorized dealers for Rolex uh, or, or Rolex uh, boutiques. Um, but online is is growing in popularity and there are a lot of sites that are now authorized dealers for some of the higher end brands and i won't go into what sites those are but you can go out and find them it's pretty easy um so online is slowly starting to to uh you know gain some traction and it's actually like amazon and ebay have been popular places online to buy watches for a long time. So you oh, can, especially for like Seiko five and well, you can buy Rolexes on Amazon, believe it or not. Cause Amazon sell some dealers sell through Amazon, right? It's not necessarily Amazon having stuff in their factories or their, uh, big warehouses. Although they do like they'll have Amazon prime deals on Seikos and citizens and that kind of stuff. But yeah, you can buy Omegas and Rolexes, all kinds of stuff on Amazon. eBay, uh, buyer beware, I guess. Right. You just never know. You and I have been burned on eBay. We've been burned on eBay. We've had great experiences on eBay. Uh, but you just, you know, it's one of those things you just don't ever know. So, um, while it is a great place to find those pieces, maybe you can't find, find elsewhere, especially if it's like a hard to find vintage piece, just be careful. I mean, you, 
there's Franken watches out there. There's complete fakes. There's all kinds of stuff. And there's, there's a lot of bad actors out there. So just be very careful. It's very much a buyer beware on eBay. You really got to know what you're looking at and what you're looking for. Uh, and make sure that you're able to return it if you if you have to. I mean, there's some there's some things that you can take advantage of through eBay if there's disputes and stuff. But it can get ugly. I mean, we we bought a car on eBay years ago that was just a total nightmare. So it, it, you can get burned. Just be careful. But um, you know, Amazon is, is a great place because you're buying new stuff on Amazon. So. Right, especially when you're looking at things like um, you know buying a Seiko. F- any Seiko watch on eBay is probably, or not, I'm sorry. Amazon on Amazon, yeah. yeah. Is, a, is really very approved and Amazon approved because the Seiko 5 is like one of the, my favorite watches ever. Well, and if you're buying a Seiko on Amazon Prime, like it's coming out of their warehouse, they're an authorized dealer actually of Seiko. Yeah. And I think of Citizen too. So that's that's a very good place to, to find deals. Um you know, on some of the less expensive or medium price brands for sure. I don't, I wouldn't buy a Rolex or a, you know, Omega or something on Amazon. I don't think, but, but certainly for some of the more, more uh, affordable brands for sure. And even some of the micro brands you can find on Amazon now. So yeah, so it's a good, good place, but that was the last kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about in, in buying was online. I think we mostly covered it. So Yeah. I don't know. Anything else? No, just that I have to go feed the dog. <laughs> it's good. It's, no, I fed the dog. The dog's oh, been you did? fed. She's good. She's been asking for more dinner. She's working you. She's working yeah, you. Well, she, this horrible dad time fed change. her and now she's going the to mom. The time change, it's like. I know. It's ridiculous. It's, what is it, six o'clock and uh, it's pitch black. It feels out, like so 10. It feels late. But uh, So anyway, that that's what we had to talk about today. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um as always, we ask if, if you can, please, you know, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you're listening to us. Uh, um, you know, let us know what you think of the show. Interact with us on Instagram. Uh, you know, we're, we've we've let you guys know our feelings on Instagram. We we are we don't like it. We do it as a necessary evil, but it's frustrating. We know well, we're not, not getting it's not out. Like we don't. It's not like we don't like it but it's just frustrating we've had a lot of issues with it we have and we know that we're not getting out in front of nearly enough people so we we rely on you guys to pass the word if you like the show please let other people know let folks know on instagram um oh that reminds me tag us on instagram or use the love and watches hashtag because we have started regrams we're looking for really nice photos that we can regram every friday so we've got a few people that have started to tag us and uh, and use the Love and Watches hashtag. But if you um, if you want to be regrammed on a Friday, definitely just throw our tag in there or um, or tag us or throw our hashtag in there or both. Um, we like them both. So uh, and there might be a little surprise for you guys that are getting regrammed. There might actually be something in it for you. So make sure you're tagging us. Uh, because if you do get, if we do repost uh, one of your posts on on Instagram, there might be some uh, additional fun and cool stuff coming down the road. So Little reward, yeah. So definitely, um, there's some incentive for you to do it. So please tag us. I know a lot of you guys found us on Instagram. Um, if you're not on Instagram, please hop on there and, and follow us at Love and Watches. Um, 
We we do have a Facebook page. We don't really maintain it. I, I haven't done much for it. I haven't it. looked at it in months. Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got it set up to auto post. Uh, you know, when I update the website, it throws the posts over on Facebook. Um, I haven't done a whole lot there. We do have a YouTube channel that we're starting to put more effort into. And as a matter of fact, I'm getting, I think I'm going to put a review up tomorrow. So definitely go check us out on YouTube. Just search for Love and Watches. We're out there. And uh, we'll probably start doing some fun stuff with the YouTube channel as well. It, that's actually really fun to to record videos and watch reviews and stuff for you guys. So um, definitely go follow Love and Watches on YouTube. Uh, we'll remind you uh, via Instagram as well. So I think that's it. That's my sales pitch for the, the podcast. Anything else before we sign off? No, I'm good. Awesome. Well, everyone, watch guys and watch gals. Thank you very much for joining us for episode 14 of the love and watches podcast this is ranch racer and perpetual girl and love what you buy and buy what you love and we will see you guys for episode 15 thanks